Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Well, your parents want to? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm surprised. You know, I wish I thought of that. I never thought of even one bit. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're doing your dream. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5 FM, based in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person or thinking about becoming one, listen up because this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses over the past 30 years, and I've also started or helped start at least nine different businesses. And who boy, have I seen a lot of mistakes. The show has really two goals, to help share information and resources. And if I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there not to make some of the mistakes I've made or that I've seen, then I've been successful. The other goal of the show is to inspire because I found at least, and I know a lot of my guests have, that being an entrepreneur sometimes is confusing. It's often lonely Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. Every week, I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice to help with that. And this week's guest is Elaine Fry. She's the owner and founder of Luft Balloons, based in Chicago. Well, as you might imagine, Luft Balloons is a balloon store. And Elaine says that Her company brings joy to their customers through unique and gorgeous balloon art. And I can tell you, if you go on their website, it is unique and it is gorgeous. Elaine has been a local activist and change maker in Chicago. From giving away Increase the Peace balloon bursts in response to increased gun violence in the city, to surprising healthcare workers at hospitals with balloon bursts. She has been devoting time, encouraging dialogue through balloons that she says serve as a visual connector. She commemorated her fourth year anniversary of the company by giving back to the community and offering complimentary balloon bunches to a variety of causes. Elaine, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. I am excited, too, because what you do is so fun and cool. Elaine, start out by talking a little bit about yourself. What what led you to start this business and to decide to be an entrepreneur? Well, I think perhaps most entrepreneurs suffer from knowing that you have it in you as a little kid. You know, I was that kid selling stamps out of my red wagon, try, um, wagon wheeling it around to neighbors, stamped. <laughs> stationary embossed stationary was another line I did. I had, I just had this desire to make and see it bring somebody else's joy. And then to also make money, you know, like that idea of like, Oh, okay. So all these things are connected. 
and to be independent. And so I have suffered from having that in the back of my mind ever since I was a kid. And, you know, through the course of my career and one pivotal moment of the 2008 recession, you know, it, that kind of allowed me to pivot and really explore becoming an entrepreneur. And it was a very hard, you know, 10 years or eight years until left came about, but um, it's kind of part of that journey. Well, so what did you do in the interim? Were you in a typical corporate job or and saving money or um, yeah, just no, not I sure was, what you wanted to do? Yeah, no, I was, um, so I have my undergraduate in landscape architecture, and then I went to RISD to explore landscape architecture as well. But there I um, really kind of looked at architecture, graphic design, RISD really helped open my eyes to, you don't need to perfect the medium, you just need to understand design logic. And then that can be applied to anything. And so I I was a landscape architect. I worked in Boston and, you know, I just, I struggled to pay the bills with having a master's. I think I was making $36,000 a year in Boston. I, wow. Yeah. You can live in a box under the interstate there. That's about it. Yeah. And so, you know, I finally just kind of gave up and said, this is not the lifestyle I want. I don't want this. So I, quit and moved back to Chicago thinking that I would take a small summer break of watching the Cubs play who I love. And unfortunately that is when the recession hit. And so my entire field went on a hiring freeze and I didn't know what to do. And so I spent wow. two to three years begging everyone. I'll work for you for free. I'll do this. You know, I'll do that. I, um, I taught a class at IIT. I became the graphic designer for the Illinois landscape architecture chapter. You know, I, I tried everything in my power to stay within the field. And at some point I had to realize it, it just wasn't going to work. And now I, it was like pushing you to say, go, go do what you need to do. And I didn't know it was going to be balloons. I think entrepreneurs, you, you don't know it's just in you and you're, you have to kind of follow that passion to figure out what it is. Well, so how talk a little bit about that process, because, you know, as I'm also a score mentor and I've counseled a lot of would-be entrepreneurs, I think, is the way to describe them. People who have the itch to own their own business, maybe they have kind of a concept, maybe they don't even have that. And they're really just, you know, trying to search to figure out what fits. So how did that happen for you? Well, mine was quite a long process. You know, I knew I had always wanted to make with my hands. And so there's probably three or four failed businesses before Luft. And the one right before Luft was a um, circular that we had designed with a friend. We were trying to launch this idea called the SAS and Science for hosting dinner parties. We had realized that people no longer hosted around the table anymore in our demographic. And we really wanted to bring everyone back to the table to connect, to conversate, you know, to, to really just connect. And in that process of designing this kind of logic, we would pick a theme and we would make it non-Martha Stewart-esque in a way, you know, that it didn't have to be so much pressure. Things didn't have to be perfect. You didn't have to order anything from Etsy. You didn't have to go to the fancy grocery (laughs) store. You know, it was, it was a mix of how can you entertain, but without the stress. And so we devised a logic of set the tone, set the table, set yourself. And one of the themes was a 30th birthday party. And so in the process, we sourced all of these birthday items that you can buy at 
you know, Target or whole, at um, CVS or, you know, your local store. And one of them was balloons. And I, not sure that I can take credit for this, but I want to say it, it is that I had designed an entire centerpiece out of balloons because I thought, let's replace flowers with balloons. Let's make it interesting. Uh-huh. And in the process, we bought $400 worth of balloons from Party City, Target, everywhere. And the quality and the color profiles, everything was off. And I, I, I kind of filed it back and said, there's a void here for somebody like me who loves color and is obsessed with it. Why are balloons not responding in the same way? Like, why are they stuck in, you know, the eighties or the seventies? Like they have not grown up at all. Like it's like the crayon, it's still in the original crayon box. It's not the, Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't responded to the expanded big box of crayons. Correct. Exactly. And so, and so that was that little nugget that I filed away. And then I started to really pursue it. And I, it's like, I found my passion without knowing it in that medium, because it combined colors, making product development. And I will tell you, we're in our fourth year officially, but there was a good, you know, couple of years of exploratory work before that, when I, you know, had a new baby and then another second baby. And I was trying to get this off the ground of like, what is it? And like you said, you feel lonely. You are like, is this a dumb idea? Should I not do this? You know? And I kept saying next baby, if I don't have it figured out, then I'll quit. (laughs) And I kept saying that and I just kept pushing. Yeah. So how did you go though from, you know, a lot of businesses stumble because they they're onto something that's pretty cool, but you still don't know if there's really a market for it. And so, yeah, colorful balloons are cool, but how do you know if people are really willing to pay for more colorful balloons? Correct. So I kind of attribute the growth of Luft in the right way to, I had a very simple rule and the rule was I must pay for at the time, you know, I had my firstborn, um, I must pay for my nanny or a babysitter or childcare individually to support this dream. I, so I had to work part-time as a contract graphic designer and then part-time on the business. And because I had that bill fueling underneath me, it was like, if I can't make this bill, then it, I just had to keep pushing essentially. So, but, so by kind of torturous means, I made myself say, I must meet this bill and then kept growing the business from there. So I I didn't let go of the contract graphic design work until I knew it was ready to kind of keep going. Yeah. So what's unique about your offering? I mean, obviously people can go to the grocery store and buy a couple of balloons or party city, as you mentioned, but that's not what your business is about. How is it different? Sure. So as I mentioned, the color is the most important thing. And so I devised a tool that allows us to double stuff the balloons. And so when you blow up a balloon, it mixes color. So now instead of having one green balloon, you can go on your website and we've designed seven different colors of green. So you can get a chartreuse, you can get a Kelly green, you can get an olive green, you can get any color. We can pretty much match any Pantone by making custom colors. Um, wow. And so then that segued into, there was a big organic trend movement, this idea of building, you know, 
these structures out of balloons and kind of like foregoing the traditional arch and the traditional column. And I fell in love with that and was like, I need to do that because it was a direct translation of landscape architecture in the sense that, you know, instead of manipulating the landscape in your three-dimensional environment with hardscape and trees and, and vegetation, and you were doing that with balloons. So then I started working on that and that took off in the events world. And I really fell in love with just making and responding to the architecture. So we're, we're unique in that we make custom colors and we're really kind of color experts, we like to say. Um, mm-hmm. And then unique in the sense that we design art that responds to existing architecture. So it's not just decor. Now we do have a line that is standardized left items where we have kind of pared down our big art into smaller scale so that you can still have that in the home for a birthday party or a baby shower. But that's how we are different, I think, from our competition. Well, I do encourage people to go to your website, which I think is loveballoons.com. A love uh, store. Love balloon store. Um, and because you don't really get a sense until you see some of the pictures of, I would call it balloon art, quite frankly, just, just some gorgeous, gorgeous creations with balloons that I, I had never seen before. And I didn't even know were possible. So how did you come up with a name for your company? Sure. So Luft means air in German, and my husband is German, kind of assimilated into the German language. And then we also create all those structures with air. And then Luft is also from 99 Luft balloons, you know, red balloon. It's a, a song from my generation. So there's yeah. a there's a triple layer to it that's just kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very catchy. It's a great name. Did you start out, I mean, have you been self-funded during your entire four years and whatever planning and prep you did ahead of time? Yeah, I think that that might be one of the Achilles heels of female entrepreneurs is that I'm not risky with money. And so I, the capital, whatever I made out of the business, I put back into the business. I never sought out alone because I just, I think that that at the beginning, you don't want to take that risk. Cause like you said, what if it does fail? And so that really helped create a solid foundation of the frugal business owner, you know, like we're, we don't need this or we don't need that, or I'll, I'll go pick up the balloons to save the, the shipping fee. You know, I did that for years and then I finally yeah. realized how dumb it was, you know, making that trip, but you know, you had to, if you self-fund it, it keeps it very honest and also very just, you know, your, your, your ins and outs of spending. And so now I know where we're going next. I'm okay with taking out a loan because I know what it's going to, or what the, you know, the P and L is for the last couple of years, you know, that, that I have more data. You know, Elaine, that's interesting. It's very consistent with what other female entrepreneurs have, have told me on the show. And, and I've had a lot of them as guests, you know, I don't know if part of it is too the fact that at some level, I think a lot of women entrepreneurs know that it's very difficult for women to get funding, even if they decided they wanted to. I mean, I, I just read and it just, it's, disturbing and I'm not quite sure what the solution is but that 
the amount of venture capital that goes to women-owned businesses is only just a little over 2%. And sadly, since the pandemic, that number has dropped. So I, I just wonder at some level from a cultural standpoint, if there's you know, a lot of women have their antenna pretty finely tuned. It's just part of our, our, our makeup and the glue that helps hold our families together. But I think part of it is, is maybe at the back of our minds, we just know it would be, it would be challenging to find funding at some point, certainly when you're starting out. So I I don't think you're, I don't think you're alone. It's very consistent with what I've heard. All right. So you've got this idea how do you decide to manufacture or source your product? I'm gathering you could go to Party City and buy up a bunch of their supplies, but that's probably <laughs> that's probably not a very efficient or effective way to go about it. Yeah. So Party City actually sources their balloons from China and it's a it's a pretty low grade latex. And so we in the process of you know, exploring distributors, you know, originally I was like, I'm going to make my own balloon color line. And when I started researching that, I discovered that it's a million dollars minimum for R&Ding a new color because I learned about the whole process of how you make a balloon. How do you color correct? How do you color, um, you know, guarantee? And so I realized, ah, that's why there's only a couple really good balloon manufacturers in the game and they're both in the United States. And so they have a premium grade latex. And so that's when I started to, you know, just, you just start to learn the industry. And then I realized, you know, the double stuffing of the balloon colors, I designed the tool and then small batch manufactured that as well. So it's just kind of like, I I find being an entrepreneur is like peeling the onion or like figuring out the math math problem. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I loved math. I loved figuring out like, oh, I can't get there. Well, then I must figure it out here. And I think, you know, sometimes when we're younger, if we don't know the answer, we just give up. And Mm -hmm. the biggest thing to teach our kids, or I'm trying to teach the kids is it, that's the part that's fun. It's not the answer. It's going through, how did you get to find the best balloon or how how do you you have to really just, uh, just dive into it? I really didn't think about that, but having worked in a medical supply company for a number of years who made latex gloves, that the whole process of making things out of latex is, is a real art form that I, uh, people don't realize and, unless I think they're close to the industry. So I'm sure that was, that was quite a journey in and of itself. So who are your customers for the most part? Are they businesses? Are they organizations, individuals, a mix of all? It is luckily, since we cater to celebration, it is everyone. So that's what makes it really an interesting product is that uh, it neutralizes that a demographic, it makes everyone equal and it makes the plane of celebration equal. And so it is you know, your neighbor, it is the business celebrating 50 years. It is the anniversary, you know, it's the, it's a small party, it's corporate. It's every, everybody has a reason to celebrate and connect. You're reminding me of one of my past guests who has a custom sign business and he kind of has some of the same, it caters to some of the same kinds of things you do as well as I think it brings him a great deal of joy and you haven't touched on that, but 
there obviously is a very big joy factor in terms of uh, of what you do and the products you bring to people. There must be some great stories out there. Talk a little bit about some of those. Sure. So, you know, our, our kind of tagline is that we're dedicated to bringing the joy through the art of the balloon. And that bring the joy is not necessarily us. It could be the person gifting the balloons, the person throwing the party. You know, we're just the the connector or the balloons. We're the facilitator of bringing somebody's joy. And what balloons do is it resonates that youthful, nostalgic, joyful time of just being happy and saying it's my birthday. You know, the, it, you, you just see a balloon and you smile. There's not one person who that I have found that it hates balloons. The only thing I found is that people are afraid of balloons, but they don't hate them. (laughs) You know, like if they pop or they can't handle them near them, but you know, for the most part, it's a joyful visual reminder of something in the past. And so what we are trying to do is really kind of refresh that and make it not something that is a reminder of the past of your youth, but something that can be part of current and future kind of mental art memorabilia, essentially these mental memories, you know, that you can celebrate the present moment. Um, you can say things with balloons, um, just like you do with flowers or chocolates, but that they are just a little bit on the line of like goofy or, or bold, you know, it's a, it's a lot to have a huge bouquet of balloons in your room. You know, it, 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 <laughs> it, it kind of just startles your joyfulness and it says, Oh, okay. I'm allowed to smile. It's like when somebody's being silly, like it allows you to be silly too. And so balloons just create that ability to, to, to be youthful again. So do you sell your products through the internet and direct, or do you have stores that you work with or distributors? What's your selling model like? Sure. So one of the things that I found incredibly difficult at Party City was just how do you get balloons? And it was so uh, just like a pain in the butt, you know, on a Saturday morning, you're stressed with the party, you got to pick up balloons, nothing was streamlined. And so we really looked at that and streamlined the process online and made it something that you could order from your bed at night when you're like, oh no, I need balloons for tomorrow. And so there's a very easy helium builder, which allows you to create your own bouquet. And we've broken it down into filters so that you can kind of explore foils, numbers, globes. And then Airside, um, which is kind of all the bursts of joy, those were a complete uh, result of the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit, we were 85% events driven, and then 15% of our arm was helium. And it went away overnight. And so the two products that I designed, one was a burst. I actually didn't design it as a product. I put it on my fence just to make my neighbors happy. And it was like a hundred smiley face balloons just to make people smile. And it got, it got so much reaction that I was like, let me just throw this up on the website. And I did. And we did over 2000 of those during the pandemic. And it was, it amazing. yeah. And so then I realized people needed this. So we started to track, we had a joy finder map. So we would put, we would map where all of the joy bursts were so that when you were, you know, quarantine, what'd you do? You went on walks, people could go search their area and go look for burst out in the, in the wild. How cool is that? Yeah. What so a great, what a cool idea. Yeah. So that kind of original 
smiley face rainbow was the the starter into our entire airline of balloons of more kind of off the shelf loft art items and so you could buy those online as well and then anything over five hundred dollars is considered a custom install and so then that would be where we you work with me directly and we you know meet on site we talk about what what are your goals objectives what are we trying to highlight so we try to make it as pain-free as possible well, I noticed that there's a seasonality that you can take advantage of too. I was just looking at, as I said, at your website where right now, I mean, it's, it's autumn here in Chicago and people starting to put out things for Halloween and you've got some very cool, just, I assume they're just standard offering kinds of things that people can put in their yards or in their house as part of their Halloween party. And I assume that changes as the seasons and the holidays change. Yeah. Halloween is a big, big balloon holiday. People just love going all out for Halloween because you don't have to follow the prescribed, like, does my house look beautiful with wreaths? And, you know, there's like the holiday season is more, you know, fine tuned or manicured Halloween. It's like, you can throw anything at it. You can, you can throw anything and it looks good it doesn't have to look perfect or have this logic to it. So yeah, people love Halloween balloons and who doesn't, we have a, a, a five foot ghost freestanding ghost that you just look at him and you're like, I want to like hug you and you just need them in the corner of your house. Well, how has your business grown since you started it? I mean, you started from absolutely ground zero. Talk about how that's evolved. Sure. So the first year, I, I think what I would recommend to people who are kind of struggling and starting out is just meet with somebody like a business coach. And when I met with this wonderful woman, she made me commit to a sales number that I had to hit. And I was like, there is no way I can sell these $5 packs of balloons and make that by the end of the year. No way. And then we surpassed it at the end of the year. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurship is believing in yourself and manifesting. So I do a lot of vision boarding every six months for the business. I also do it personally for my own life too, but I write down like, where do I want it to go? What do I want it to do? And like, just by actually writing it down and saying, this is where it's going to go, it happens. And so the growth was like, fine. The growth has been amazing. The pandemic was the real like fire that really gave us the wheels that we needed. I would have gotten there without the pandemic. It just helped accelerate it. Um, so it's been really fun to see that growth. We're in a little bit of a, a growth period that I am ner not nervous about. I just don't know about <laughs> where you have to remove yourself operationally. And that's really hard. And this next phase will be interesting because I don't want it to grow. It's going to sound horrible. I don't know if I want it to be too big, you know, in the sense that I love connecting with people and I love bringing joy. You know, I don't want it to just turn into this thing that I can no longer control, if that makes it, sense. It does make sense. And I'd like to explore that a little more. I think an interesting aspect for a lot of small businesses is really how you want to grow for the future and what you want your company to look like in, say, the next, you know, two or three years. And I thought it was very interesting that you talked about scaling. I mean, you know, it's funny how people who start businesses are all like, yeah, I got I to gotta scale my business. Well, that's great if that's what you want, but 
not everybody wants to do that because it involves challenges and different skills. And in some ways, I think, as you were alluding to before the break, really letting go of certain things, right? So talk about your thoughts about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was always growing, not from like a profitability perspective, but I wanted to just connect with people. I wanted people to know that we wanted to bring them joy. It sounds crazy, but I just, I wanted to say, I can, I I want us to be able to be your facilitator for that. And we're going to do really cool things with lots of giving back and lots of art activism. And I want you to be part of this. Now that we've gotten to, to this point, you know, you do have to think about where does it go? And so I have been vision boarding that as well. You know, originally I was on the train of, okay, we're going to then try another, like a suburb shop. And then once we tackle that, we can figure out how we do, you know, cities. And as I've been kind of reflecting on that, I said, is that what I really want? Cause I, I want, I want a community space. Like I, I, I want a space where people can come and you can feel joy and equal. I, I, I don't know why. And so I feel like our Luft headquarters that we're actually moving into next month is going to be a great time for me to explore. Like we have so much space. It's 7,000 square feet. Everyone's like, are you doing events? You know? And I'm like, yes, but untraditional. I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to be able to give me a place where, you know, at risk youth or just teens in general, like I want them to come and I don't know, I'll have a teen program. You know, I want, I want to be able to use our growth and our platform to keep doing good or keep providing a space for connection. And I, so it's, it, I'm, it's not very clear, obviously I'm still working through this in my head, but I realized that I don't want a franchisee model and I don't want, you know, what's the point, you know, you, what you grow it, you sell it, you make some money. And then what do you do? You could franchise it to other people, though. Take your concept and, you know, there's lots of different models that you can use. But as you as you point out, it is a different way of thinking about the business. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong. I tell people this all the time. You don't have to scale your business to be successful if it brings you joy and gives you the kind of lifestyle you want, uh, you know, what's wrong with that? There's, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's what I'm trying to sort through is what is that next step? And it's fun. But it, is. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is. And, you know, I'm sure you're, you're very creative and, persistent and also very just, you know, a thinker, I can tell. And you may find ways to expand it without losing that. So it's going to be fun. I'll enjoy watching your journey. Looking back, what do you think has been the hardest thing about starting up this business? Hmm. I think in the beginning, it was just a lot of, like you said, feeling alone and saying to myself, there's something here. I believe in this, but not having the proof yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, a lot of falling on your face. You know, I did renegade (laughs) craft fair. I I spent hours or weeks and weeks preparing for the craft fair and sold next to nothing while the person next to me 
who was making, I think, soy candles made a killing. And I was like, there's nothing interesting about soy candles. I'm making double stuffed balloons. What the heck? And so it really made me step back and say, what is this product? Where does it live? You know, it's not at a craft show, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, and so I think that beginning part was really tough. You know, people would say, Oh, Elaine's doing a, you know, um, what's it called? Like one of the, um, Oh, the name is escaping me, but where you bring friends in and have them test the product. And oh yeah. Like a Tupperware party. Kind yeah. Of thing. And so I br- brought them all in and I said, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, I was, I literally, I, I didn't know where it was going. You know, I just knew there was this idea. And so I think a lot of it was figuring out all of it <laughs> alone and, and missteps and, you know, just, I, I just kept believing in myself and this is going to sound crazy, but on, I think our seventh anniversary, we were in Montreal for my anniversary with my husband. And I, we were sitting at a little cafe and I, and I was crying, like, I guess it's over. Like, I guess I just stopped. Baby number three is coming soon. You know, we want to have a third. This is just dumb. And I kid you not a yellow balloon out of nowhere flew into the cafe and was at our desk or at our table. And so these things, like the world is really connected and it's really there to keep pushing you and telling you and manifesting. Like, I really believe in that. And so I just, I do believe that there's going to be some hard parts in the beginning, but at the end, once you get it going, of course, there's always going to be hard parts, but that's the fun part because you, you just have to figure it out. So the flip side of that question is what's been the best part? Um, the, the best part has been validation of saying to myself, I have this idea and I really want to make it into a business. And I kept saying, I will feel like I've made it when it's sustainable. And by sustainable, meaning it paid all its bills, it it paid the people, you know, it, it just was sustainable. You know, you always forget that when you get to that point, you just go on to the next tiered, you know, objective. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of just sitting in that being like, I just, you, you look at a PL report or what, and you're like, I can't believe this. Like there, there's room to do good now with this. Like there is joy that we are bringing. And now we need to use our platform to keep growing and connecting. I'm a big believer that, you know, this cutthroat capitalism can go away, that we can actually be a purpose-driven company And so we are getting B Corp certified, which aligns your business to do good for people, the environment, you know, that we're all an interconnected web and you can still make money. And so this idea that in parallel, we can become better humans, better business owners, better consumers, get better suppliers if we just make it part of a priority. And so wrapped up into our business DNA is a lot of that architecture of giving back, doing good. And it becomes, it, it doesn't even phase us, you know, like this objective of balloon bombing businesses, it's because that's what our businesses around us need. need. And, you know, we look at the hours that we put in and what we've committed to, to do, we've already hit it this year. So it's like, <laughs> we can keep going and we're still doing okay profit, you know, like they can be in tandem. And so that's what gets me the most excited is really. uh, And also there's another one that's really big is like going back to when I made $36,000 and had the worst work-life balance. You know, I am very 
attuned into making sure our crew feels valued, feels like they're getting paid a fair wage, um, that there is a balance between mental health, between work-life balance, you know, and we're working through that together as we build this business. Like, what does that mean? How do we unpack that? You know, like, and, you know, there is that Google culture where people can do whatever, you know, they have all these amenities, but is it really looking at how does business and, and, and life intersect to be on the same plane? You know, so it's, it's a complicated ball. Believe me, there's a lot of overlap that gets gray and fuzzy and we have policies that we're trying to figure out and how do we make sure, you know, you put the business first, but I, I'm just excited to create a business. We, it's all women right now, which is amazing. Oh, that um, is great. And, yeah. And, and to like, think about how can we make a difference? How can how can, how can the crew feel amazing and, and really feel dedicated, but also feel like I'm dedicated to them or Luft is dedicated to them too. So that, you know, there's just room to really explore new ways of thinking and, and being and, and making money or running a business. Well, it's really, I think about defining the culture that you want so that you hire the people who are more likely to find, I mean, you know, it was interesting. I read an article yesterday talking about, you need to think about what your employees want and some employees want perks and some employees want to work from home and some, you know, it's kind of like finding as part of your hiring process, figuring out what that culture looks like and hiring for those kind of people so that what you offer as a company meets their needs, right? Correct. Yeah. We, we won't be for everyone. Right. That's okay. Well, you, you mentioned something I want to explore, which is you talked about balloon bombing businesses. <laughs> Talk about what does that mean? And that leads into some of the charity kinds of uh, community kinds of things you your company has done. Talk about some of that. Sure. So, you know, at Luff, we believe that, you know, giving back strengthens your business, but it also releases endorphins. So you're producing a happier, healthier work climate and a dedicated, you know, committed lufter. And so we, it's a win-win for everyone, you know, giving back makes everyone feel good. And so we try, so it originally started not with the intention of giving back, but during the pandemic, you know, I felt guilty and, um, uncomfortable that we were experiencing growth when a lot of people were not doing well. And I felt I needed to do something to give back. And I didn't know what it was. And then I realized, oh my gosh, you know, our massive installations that we do pre-pandemic, we're just going to do that on a hospital and bring some joy to the frontline workers. So we did 3,000 balloon installations on six hospitals. Just 3,000, my yeah, gosh. Huge, huge. I need to get it up on the website. I'm oh. a little bit behind on that, but we did six hospitals. We brought all those frontline workers joy. We calligraphied on the balloons like you are heroes. We love you, you know, stay the course, you know, all these like inspirational messages. And after I was reflecting on that, I was like, you know, that felt good that, and they felt good. And this needs to be part of how we run our business. And so, so it aligned with B Corp strategy. you know, when you become certified, you're a legally triple bottom line company that you dedicate those things. And so this quarter, 
we were looking at as a team, I said, you know, who needs it right now? Who's our next hospital? And this was back in June when we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, it's small businesses because it's like the faucet turned on overnight. Everyone's open, no masks, go run business like usual. And all of us were like, what? (laughs) Supply chains are not back. We've just survived a pandemic. And now the entire public is expecting us to be up and running at 100% capacity. And it was a lot and a lot that consumers didn't really realize. The labor, the hiring. I mean, a lot of businesses had had to let people go. And then all of a sudden trying to hire a bunch of people and train them at a turn on a dime. I know, especially for a couple of friends who have restaurants and bars. I mean, insane. Exactly. And so I said, you know, it's the small businesses that we do next. And so I came up with this idea called a balloon bomb of business. And I just asked our community, I said, you know, we love to give back. It's in our balloon DNA. So, you know, nominate your favorite small local business that had a rough go at the pandemic and let us know why you love them. And we'll surprise them with a balloon bomb and a um, plaque that says you survive, you were a pandemic rock star, love loft. And so we got over 200 nominations and I was like, oh my gosh. We have a lot of work to do. Cause I thought, you know, maybe a couple and so we've done 20 now and we go to these businesses and they're like, what are all these balloons doing coming into our, our space? And I was like, we're not soliciting you and we're not, you know, this is free. And then I go into the spiel and I say, you know, we know that you had a hard time during the pandemic, your communities recognize that. And then I read who nominated them and what they said about them. And then there's tears and then their patrons oh. are clapping and then we throw up the balloon bomb and we put up their plaque and then we leave. Wow, wow, wow. That's got to be inspiring when that happens. Sounds like it could be actually be an offering because I have a feeling bombing businesses, that might be something that, that businesses would want to do for each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, I so what <laughs> people um, who do say that, we said go balloon bomb or go do your bomb version of something else. So somebody coffee bombed a, a lo- their favorite business. And so, you know, trying to just create like a, a trail, a connected trail, you know, it's like when you're in, in the um, drive-thru and somebody buys your coffee and then you buy the next person and then you buy the next person and it the just pay kinda... it for the pay it forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll ever get tired of working on this business? No, I have so many ideas and so many things to do with it that I'll never get tired. You can't, any day you walk into our shop, there's so many balloons that are prepped for the next day that you see new colorways. People come up with the most interesting ideas and it's joyful and it's fun. And it's, uh, I just, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Well, so who comes up with the ideas? Is it you? Is it your crew? Is it the customer? Some combination of all the above? No, I come up with everything. Um, you know, I meant the colorways and that you're allowed to pick whatever colors you want for your burst for the people who order off the website. And so sometimes, you know, they'll say something very specific and we'll put it together and I'll be like, oh, that's a good palette. Uh, So that's, you know, like, and then when people order bouquets, helium bouquets, they'll put together these things and I'll be like, this is amazing. I would have never thought to pair an olive green balloon with a hot pink heart, with a disco, you know, like when people that you see people's own creativity and what they're creating. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Well, looking back on your journey, what 
advice would you give to your younger self? Hmm. Oh, goodness. I'm a younger self. Which part of which younger self? Well, maybe putting it, putting it differently. What, if anything, do you wish you'd done differently? I think way back when I wish I would have worked in between undergrad and grad. I was too scared because I didn't know what to do. And I think that that would have given me space to then figure out what to go to grad school for. I also wish grad school was four years and undergrad was two years. I wish they would flip that because I think you need the social component and you need to figure that out. But then when you really figure out what you want to do and you love it, like you, I I could go back to school again if I could you know, if I had the time. it. So I wish I'd given myself space to figure it out because maybe then I, I don't know. I mean, but then, you know, Doris, all of this is connected and it was supposed to happen this way. So I know, I know, <laughs> you know, you can't, I, I know, I know. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting. My guest last week said, you know, in my company, we don't talk about mistakes. They're not things that we regret. We view them as learnings. And so I think that's kind of what you're saying, maybe in a slightly different way, right? I like that. It's all kind of meant to be. And the important thing is to step back and figure out what was I supposed to learn from this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If people are interested in balloon bombing a business or just chatting with you, uh, maybe they're looking for a little mentoring or some friendly advice, or they're interested in your products, what's the best way for them to learn more and to reach you? Sure. So you can go to luftballoonstore.com and the Balloon Bomb of Business has its own link at the bottom of the website. And then in the contact us, you can just shoot us a line there. I do see most emails. If not, it gets flagged and sent to me. So I'm very on that. And then you can also follow us at Instagram at left.balloon because that's where we kind of show all the fun stuff we're doing. Well, I do encourage people. I I don't often do this, but I do encourage people (laughs) to go to the website. Well, we're, you know, we're a community radio station. We're not supposed to promote, but I just want to encourage people to go because it is a feast for the eye. I mean, there's some very, very cool things on there that I think are hard to you know, as an audio only format, it's hard to envision it. So I encourage people to go and just take a quick gander. I think your jaws will drop. It's just, uh, this company is doing some very cool things and obviously trying to do good for our community and for the environment. And, you know, Elaine, for that, I I really commend you. Good for you. It's been a delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for being with me today. And sharing some of the insights of your journey. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. We have just a few minutes left today, and I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk a little more about something Elaine raised just a few minutes ago. And it's something that I tell clients who are starting their businesses to think carefully about. So remember Elaine mentioned that she realized as her business was growing, she didn't necessarily want to expand and scale her business as quickly as possible. She could have, but she realized she enjoyed the interactions with her customers and being personally involved in the day-to-day aspects of the business 
even to the point of delivering some of her balloon arrangements herself and and also connecting with her local community. She realized she might lose much of that if she expanded quickly. What I always advise my clients is, is to begin with the end in mind. I wish I could take credit for that very wise expression, but it came from Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits book. And although Covey wasn't specifically talking about starting a business, it certainly applies equally here. In my experience, many entrepreneurs do not think in terms of what they want from the exit of their business and what it should look like until the moment is nearly on them. And it's generally not a good thing because many of your daily business decisions affect your ability to successfully grow and manage and yes, exit your business when the time comes. I can think of a few examples, but I think if you think this through for your own business, you'll see what I mean. So let's take something as basic as how and where you find funding for your business. Let's say your goal is to successfully sell your business or go IPO. Well, so in that case, you might want to aggressively put together a pitch deck and start looking for external funding from angel investors, family offices, even venture capitalists, because that will give you the cash, ideally at least, to rapidly expand your business, showing amazing fast growth and producing all those multiples that might lead to a lucrative exit. The truth, though, is that many entrepreneurs absolutely love their business. It is their baby. Many, many are the entrepreneurs who believe, unfortunately, that they want and need to scale their business and grow rapidly. That will make external investors happy. And as I said, if your goal is to make a bunch of money, move on to your next venture or retire early, that's great. But all too often, the founder finds it doesn't make him or her very happy. It often quickly pushes the entrepreneur founder into roles that are not nearly as much fun, are not nearly as connected to the day-to-day hustle and bustle of production and customers. Suddenly, the entrepreneur spends more time doing things that are not nearly as much fun, like hiring people and firing people and delegating things to other people and managing people who have departments, focusing on policies and procedures and dealing with all sorts of administrative problems. Because remember, when you scale, the goal is for the founder to make himself or herself essentially replaceable. That's so the business can continue running in the future without them at the helm. That's the cold reality. If your business is acquired by a strategic, they may want you around for a little while to help with the transition, but they're usually pretty eager to start integrating the business into their own company with their own ways of doing things. And a lot of business owners who've been through that have found even even if the acquiring company wanted them to stay, they don't really fit in. And, you know, if you go IPO, unless you're also a very effective manager and leader and great at interacting with shareholders and all sorts of complicated uh, issues related to uh, 
uh, publicly traded companies, your board or shareholders will start pushing you out the door. The truth is that many of us who are great at starting a business, even running a small business, aren't very good at scaling the business and running a larger enterprise. And I personally believe, from the many entrepreneurs I've worked with, that lots of those founders have a very hard time extracting themselves from their business because they love it so much. That's where they get their joy. And it gets in the way of scaling that's needed for rapid growth. You know, I I loved Elaine's clarity about love balloons. She realizes it is her baby. She not only makes good money for herself and for her team, with whom she's close and cares about, but it clearly gives her a great deal of personal satisfaction. I suppose some people, um, too often rather sneeringly, I think, call this a lifestyle business. I personally think we need to come up with a better name that gives this option the respect it deserves. There is nothing magical about scaling, and there is nothing wrong at all with creating a thriving business that you, the founder, are in the middle of and want to stay in the middle of for a long time, maybe a very long time. Now, eventually, you will have to think about exit, but That may be a long way off. And there's another way, by the way, that the end game affects your daily decisions. If you want to stay small, you might want to hire generalists and people who thrive in a small family-like environment and are happy just doing that. If you want to scale, though, you probably want to hire different people, hard chargers maybe, or people with experience managing larger departments of people probably people with more specialized expertise. I think the really hard part is that many of us entrepreneurs, we don't always know what we want when we start. A lot of us say we want to scale our business. Maybe that's because we've been a bit brainwashed by the tech industry talking about their huge IPO numbers. But when push comes to shove, a lot of us find that isn't what we really want. And it sure helps if you've done some real soul-searching ahead of time, or at least pretty early on. The world is way too full of founders who thought they wanted to scale and grow rapidly, brought in external investors, only to find they lost control of how the business grows, or that they've hired the wrong people, or that they're just not good at the role they've been pushed into, or don't have fun doing it. So take the time, I, I really encourage you, all of you out there, take the time to step back, answer as honestly as you can. What makes me happy? What are the kinds of activities I'm really good at and enjoy the most? And design your business and your exit around that, because if it's not fun, what's the point? All right, I'm off my soapbox. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And a special thanks again to Elaine Fry, the founder of Luft Balloons based in Chicago. You can find more helpful information and resources on my website, globalocityservices.com. There's a library of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources there that are all free. 
My door is always open for comments, questions, and suggestions, or just to shoot the breeze. You can email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. I promise you'll always get a response back. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.